Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday Celebration from the Center for Spiritual Living in Huntsville, Alabama. We hope you feel the grace, the beauty, and the love of our community as you hear the message of the week. Many blessings to you. There is a silence at the core of all creation. When we allow ourselves to surrender into that peaceful place, then all the surface thoughts of life seem to fall away. You can think of it as riding the waves of the ocean and the mind goes up and down and up and down and then through just being still, we can let our attention descend from the surface of life down into the deep where everything is peaceful and calm. And then we get to choose who are we going to be today? Are we going to be established in that stillness, in that peace, in that abiding calm? Or are we going to leap out to the circumference of life and go up and down and ride the, the waves of life as my friend? told me this morning. Yes, we can ride the waves. But we can also anchor ourselves in a peace, in a clarity, in a stillness. And so when we're holding a baby that's crying for two hours, we get to transmit our peace, our love, our stillness to this crying infant. I have my little black pug who can't see or hear. And he finds himself in strange locations in the house and he'll just start to bark and eventually howl. But when I go over there and I pick him up in my arms, he just melts like butter on a piece of hot corn. He just knows that he's held in the arms of love, safe. And so we get to do that for ourselves. It starts right here in this sacred moment. We all have stuff in our lives that can be challenging at the circumference of every day, which means the outer edge of our interacting with life. As I was driving to the center in a meditated place this morning, there was an angry car that thought I wasn't going fast enough, so he peeled left and went past me, pulled in front of me, and then someone pulled in front of him, and then he got angry and pulled out and left and went in front of me. And I'm thinking, I'm so glad that I'm peaceful driver, that I don't have to go through this angst that this driver is going through. So I breathe in the deepest acceptance of life. And there are going to be people that are struggling. And could I offer them my loving arms, my smile, my awareness that all is well and all shall be well. With that deep abiding faith, I invite you to join with me 
in this journey to nowhere, in this journey to now here. That's a little play on words. So thank you all for showing up. You know, life is a participatory sport. And are we participating at the highest level in this life that we've been given? Or are we mm, kind of floundering? I was listening to John O'Donohue. I get here at 7.15, so, and he's one of my heroes, and I'm going to be speaking from a little book that he wrote called Walking in Wonder. And so I wanted a direct transmission of this, this lovely human being. He made his transition at age 52, very young in my mind, but his message lives on in mm, so many beautiful expressions of his soul. And he talks about if you're living from the soul, well, then your life is fulfilling. And he says, you know, I know so many people that are doing jobs that don't feed their soul. And I feel so sad for them. He says, but you find someone who is fulfilling their soul's purpose, whether they're serving food in a, an assembly line, but if they're doing it with their heart and their soul and there's a giving and receiving, well, then they flower in their expression of life. So as he was saying that, he said, it's not so much what you do, it's who you are that really matters in life. And he talks about these thresholds that you go through. And he says, and when you go through a threshold, he said, the threshold is about you stepping into a whole new way of being, a whole new you. And in order to step in a whole new you, you have to be willing to let go of the old you. Now, how many people want to let go of the old self? Not too many, he says, because they've had such an anchored identity in the me person that they've built up all these labels and titles around. And when that falls away, and as Meister Eckhart said, when you let go and you let go and you let go of all the stuff that you've identified, then, he says, and only then, can you let God be God in you. Let God be God in you. And so then you get to this realization that all there is is God. And what we have here in Science of Mind is a non-dual teaching. That means there aren't two powers. There's only one power. I was talking to my prayer partner, and he's asked us to do a circle of love up in Canada. They just had a big Asilomar conference out there. And my friend Jill Brocklehurst, she's from Canada, she was there. And they said, how did you like Asilomar? And she said, oh, it was okay. It was, you know, a bunch of workshops and telling you how to create a better illusion of yourself. She says, but give me a good old circle of love. That's where they annihilate you and you transform. And so now Canada wants us to come up there and annihilate them. And then I hear Rumi, do you trust me to kill you? Because basically, this is a transformational teaching. People want a transformation. They don't want a workshop on how to create a better illusion, a self-help class. And then I think of my beloved friend, Dr. Edward Villune, who was the spiritual leader of our teaching. And he wrote this lovely little article about moving beyond the idea that paradox is wrong. And then I hear it was Carl Jung that said, he who does not know that the prince of light and the prince of darkness are one does not know God. So there aren't two powers, a power of good and a power of evil. There's only one power. So give me a little taste of this beautiful playing with paradox. We'll get rid of the devil. There is no devil. Here's Elder Bellune. I love this little thing. So I'll get a little help from the glasses. These are readers. It's a tiny print. The truly great spiritual teachers, he writes, such as Krishna of the Bhagavad Gita and even Rumi and certainly Dr. Ernest Holmes, who often quoted the Gita, they taught that we must overcome any apparent belief in opposites, for they do not exist. So when we talked about what's in the way is the way, the darkness and the light, they dance together. It's not darkness versus light, no. It's not yin versus yang. I was taught this by a Taoist, it's yin-yang. 
You notice they're together, they're not separate. And in the light there is the dark, and in the dark there is the light. There's the symbol. These are the yantras of the great spiritual teachings on the planet. And we had a man from India, the Sadhguru, who was here, and he said, if you meditate on any one of these yantras, the mystery of those teachings can be transmitted to your soul. Because these are images, these are symbols. They're not meant to be taken literally with the mind. So meditate on the Taoist symbol. I remember Pam did this when she was in my ministerial class, and she did it on felt. And then Virginia Burroughs came, that sweet, lovely saint, and she turned all those little felt representations of my ministerial students into little stained glass replicas. And so this is what you have. They're all revealing the mystery. And the theme for this month, and I love to stretch my imagination, because John O'Donohue called it the divine imagination. That's where spirit reveals itself to you. Not in concretized beliefs and thoughts, no, in the divine imagination that comes alive when you're willing to entertain it. So what if each one of these has the potential to awaken the mystery of belonging to the universe? And that's what this month is. I'm living in and as the mystery. And in our lovely little class, Everything Belongs, Richard Rohr, this Franciscan mystic monk, he said, when you throw yourself in the mystery, well, then it's not about you, it's about the mystery. So I've been playing with this kind of maddening, crazy idea that I don't really exist, but the mystery through me exists. Well, let's get back to Edward and see what he has to say about this paradox. Reverend Dr. Edward Villune, past spiritual leader of CSL, rephrased Krishna's speech concerning the opposites. And this is Edward. He says, I am changeless. I am the past. I am the present and the future. And there is no one who knows me completely. They are blinded by the pairs of opposites, driven by opposing likes and dislikes, and they're not aware of me in their lives because they think there's good, there's bad, there's right, there's wrong, this is the way you do it, that's not the way you do it. Eh, no, there's this inner landscape that is the divine in you seeking recognition. And, he, and John O'Donoghue says, you hear it in the music. He says, I was in Manhattan, and you know, he died at 52, and he said, I, I arrived, and there was a Tchaikovsky concert at Carnegie Hall. So he said, I went and got the last ticket, and it was the second row in the front, and there I am sitting as this young uh, lady from Holland was playing her virtuoso Stradivarius violin, and he said, and I found myself melting and crying because I felt the spirit of Tchaikovsky through her music. And he says, the music, the arts, all of this can take the soul to a different level of transformation, of realization. So he goes on to say this, lovely, Edward, he says, they're blinded by pairs of opposites, they're driven by likes and dislikes, and they're not aware of the one in their lives. Yet I remain aware of them always. There are those who have freed themselves from their illusions, and they are no longer driven by opposing likes and dislikes because they know that I alone am the source of all life. I alone am the source of all life and everything belongs. So when those dark moments come, when that anxiety arises, when those emotions are coming, they're coming up to be met. And so here's the emotion of fear. And then you hear Thich Nhat Hanh, oh, there you are, my little fear. Could I embrace that fear? When your little girl comes up to you with her fear, you can hold her in your arms. Can you do that to your own little girl? And so we get to, we get to parent ourselves in a strange sort of way. I'm 74 years old and there's a little boy in here who is, who is kind of crazy and, uh, and you know, I like it when he shows up because he's filled with wonder. He's playful. You put on music and he'll start to dance. And in a strange sort of way, the little boy in him is, sets, is set free. So at my mature age, as a respectful reverend doctor, I shouldn't be doing these crazy, spontaneous things like taking off my shoes and walking barefoot 
in the grass because it feels so good and it deionizes your body. Did you know that? When I met Trey, we were in San Francisco. No, I met him in college. But when we started dating in San Francisco, uh, it was 1975, and we would go to Central uh, Golden Gate Park, and we were young, penniless souls, and we would take off our shoes, and we would go for long walks barefoot, and it was as if we bonded to the planet, to the earth, and there was a sacredness. When you have no money, guess what you have? You have this glorious planet to entertain you. So could we walk in a sense of wonder at the landscape that's all around us and that we don't have to pursue material um, means? John O'Donoghue was talking about, he was asked about the difference about love and how people use this phrase love too flippantly. And he said, well, it's like the phrase beauty. He says, let me tell you, beauty is not glam. People want to say beauty is glam. He says, no, beauty is revealed in the smallest of things. When I went to drive to the center this morning. I had to bring the lunch for the board meeting and I had all my books. So Trey carried out the books and I carried out the lunch for the board and we put all that in the car and then Trey noticed that there was a little worm that was trapped and he said, I gotta go save a worm. So get in the car, get out, I got a worm to save. I said, that's the man I married. He wants to save the little worm. And then we have Napoleon and Josie. We have Napoleon, our only living koi. He's about this big. And Gigi and Raul thought he was so lonely that they brought over a little koi to go with him, a little one like this. And so now it's Napoleon and Josie. And so every morning we go out to the pond. It's like a little uh, fishbowl. And they're both up. What do you think they are? They're hungry. Both of them. And so we have this relationship. I mean, isn't life strange when you're having a relationship to a fish? You were having a relationship to a worm. And then we had this lovely rain and oh, the plants are, are just just amazing. And so I, I think I'm a little strange because I don't know how to separate myself from the garden. Well, maybe I'm not separate from the garden. Well, let me pull out a little John O'Donoghue and he'll tell us what, what the reality is around. This was written posthumously after he died. It's called Walking in Wonder from some of his, um, some of his interviews. And um, this is one of his quotes. He says, one of the lovely things about being a human is that we are called in each moment to bring ourselves to birth. He talks about that we're in a conspiracy of God, that we are the resurrection of the universal Christ, and it's happening in all of us if we can allow that. So it's not about the separate self. It's about this higher order, endlessly giving birth. So part of the difficulty of our times is that we have reduced this magnificent adventure the one that Helen Keller spoke about, this magnificent adventure of being a human being to endless, wearisome projects of self-improvement. <laughs> endless projects, wearisome projects of self-improvement and self-analysis. Let me yet again go and probe my psychosis and see how I can label myself. Do you know that there was a lady who came here and she spoke, she studied the Inca spirituality and she was working on her PhD in San Francisco in psychology, and she came to this aha moment, kind of like you did, Phil. She said, they don't have a definition of a healthy person in psychology. Everybody's got a label. And so she dropped her PhD of program in psychology. She went to Peru, and she came back as an Incan teacher teaching the Inca spirituality. Yeah, so he's saying the same thing. We can endlessly identify with our psychoses, our pathology, or not. Self-improvement, self-analysis, according to the flattest and most boring maps that could be made. John O'Donoghue. Well, he's wanting you to have a transformation at a mystical level, I think. What do you think? 
Ama, the kiss of the hugging uh, saint, she says, realizing God is nothing but the ability, the expansive heart to love everything equally, to love the contraction, the anxiety, the fear, the obstacle that's in the way. I love that some people picked up on that theme from the first Sunday of this month, what's in the way is the way. And so when we meet our, our shadow side, could we love that part of ourselves and not blame the other? Because really, they're just showing us a part of ourselves that needs to be met, and there is no other. So let's give you a little John here because he's such a saint. He says, maybe one of the greatest surprises we all get... Oh, that, that's not the part I want to go. I love mountains, he says, and I feel... The mountains are huge contemplatives. The Richard War class that we're teaching, Everything Belongs, is about the contemplative path. And the contemplative path is meeting life moment to moment as life presents it to you, not as a curse, but as a blessing, as an opportunity to find the grace, the gift, the good, the God. So he says, there, let me cheat a little bit. Ah, they are there the mountains, and they are in the presence up to their necks, and they are still in it and with it and within it. And one of the lovely ways to pray is to take your body out into the landscape and to merely be still in it. This is you for Bob Dees. To take yourself into the landscape and just be still in the landscape. He said, your body is made out of the clay. He calls us the clay people. We're made out of the earth. So our body is actually a miniature landscape that has got up from under the earth and is now walking on this normal landscape. We're not separate from the very earth that we inhabit. So we're spiritual beings, we're earthly beings. Let's enter into the wonder of all of that. The me, the you, the egoic self, that's just a fabrication that was given to you or maybe that you cultivated, but it's not real. Ooh, this is a little bit juicy, don't you think? If you go out for several hours into a place that is wild, your mind begins to slow down, to slow down, to slow down. He's giving us a way, not the answer, but could we go in nature and see it as a mute oracle, a mute gospel, revealing to us something so much greater? He's suggesting that. If you go out for several hours in a place that is wild, your mind will begin to slow down, slow down, slow down. And what is happening, I love this, is that the clay of your body is retrieving its own sense of family with the great clay of the landscape. You're not separate from the very earth that surrounds you. Well, that's kind of a strange way to contemplate life, isn't it, Ari? He says, now and I also think of the trees as incredible presences of the one. This is all the one. You know, we have some really old trees. Lucy's in the front. She's probably 100 years old, and Hermione's in the back. She's 100. Lucy's um, mate was Ethel, and Ethel was compromised, so the city took her down. And we were grieving Ethel, so we went up and bought a statue of a big pig, and we named her Bethel, sits on Ethel, to keep Lucy company. I mean, this is what you do when you have all your trees have names, you know. So Ethel is now Bethel. So I think landscape is an incredible mystical teacher for us all. And when you begin to tune into the sacred presence within nature, something will shift within inside you. You're not separate. It's all you from little Josie and Napoleon going, oh, 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 to my neurotic, blind, deaf pug, oh, 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 to the trees that need watering, to the worms that need rescuing. It's all part of you. We are guests of the universe. I underlined that three times. We are guests of the universe, the one life, the one song. 
And the landscape was the firstborn of creation and was here hundreds of millions of years before us. So it knows what, it is, what is actually going on. Nature isn't dumb. We are not superior in any way. Could we entrain ourselves? Could we take communion or darshan or even have a tantric relationship with a rock or a tree or a flower? Energetic. To put it in a theological way, I feel that the landscape is always a prayer and its prayer is seamless and it is always enfolded in presence. It is a high work of imagination. Now this was a young man who was raised in the beautiful hills of West Ireland who became a priest at a very young age, served in the priesthood for 17 years and said, I've got to get out of there, there's too much sin. And then it took him on this path of mysticism, kind of like anybody had change in their life, a radical transformation, a wake up call, thank you, not alone. To put it in a theological way, I feel that the landscape is always at prayer. Its prayer is seamless and it always enfolded in presence. It is a high work of imagination because there's no repetition in landscape. Every stone, every tree, every field is at a different place. And when your eye begins to become attentive to this panorama of differentiation, then you realize what a privilege it is to actually be here amidst the wonder and beauty of the one. The wonder and the beauty of the one. So I'm talking about walking in wonder. And we need to put ourselves in a place where we can touch the wonder within ourselves. So what awakens the wonder within you? It's so amazing to just rest in the question. What was my Zen calendar that said the other day? Oh, it was H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells said, um, don't be blinded by the clock and the calendar when the fact is that all we have is the sacred moment and the sacred moment is filled with miracle and mystery. He says, don't get blinded by the clock and the calendar. You know, do I have enough time to do this? Can I achieve all that? No. He says, when all we ever have is the sacred moment, which is filled with mystery and miracle. H.G. Wells. Whoa. Let's hear about the miracle. This is, um, this is a poem that John O'Donohue wrote for A New Beginning. And I invite you to, to feel into this poem for yourself. Because if we are here to transform, if we are at the threshold of some kind of emerging sense of self, he wrote a little poem to inspire that at the soul level. And you know, the beautiful thing about poetry, it is the language of the soul. And what we are is an eternal soul with a human experience, which is temporary, but our soul is deathless and eternal. So could we start identifying from that place as a new beginning? So I'm going to read his little poem for a new beginning and see if you can feel into it, because that's the language of the soul. Here is what he says. This is a lovely little poem. Feel this as a direct way, as a gateway to wonder, a gateway to discovery. In the out-of-the-way places of the heart, where your thoughts never think to wander, this beginning has been quietly forming and waiting until you were ready to emerge. For a long time, it has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness growing inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. Watched you play with the seduction of safety and the gray promises that sameness whispered. It heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent and wondered, would you always live like this? 
then the light when your courage kindled and out you stepped onto new ground your eyes young again with energy and dreams a path of plentitude opening before you though your destination is not yet clear you can trust the promise of this opening and unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning beginning that as one with your life's desire this is for you Missouri. awaken your spirit to adventure hold nothing back and learn to find ease in risk and then soon you will be at home in a new rhythm for your soul senses the world that awaits you it awaits you with gateways of wonder and doorways to presence and we witness you and we honor you and we trust you and we are you and all is there is you wonderful wonderful you full of der one <laughs> wonderful wonderful you so there's this something that is calling us to express who we are could we open to that and invite that to celebrate through this lifetime Jody. In the Sufi tradition, if, to applause without making noise, you lift your little fingers up and you wiggle them in the air. Yeah, isn't that fun? Yeah. Okay, for whom the bell tolls. The bell tolls for thee. It's the mindfulness bell that brings us back, back right into this present moment awareness where we're not blinded by time and history but we recognize that this sacred moment is filled with miracle and mystery. But it does require that we enter into the moment. And in order to do that, we access the breath. Breath is another word for spirit. And for every exhalation of God, that is our inhalation. And for every exhalation of us, you can imagine that's, God in, that's God's inhalation. So the breath is breathing us. Or we could say spirit is breathing us. And when we align ourselves to breathing in, I breathe in. Breathing out, I breathe out. We recognize that there is a dynamic here. Breathing in, I can breathe in grace and peace and acceptance. And breathing out, I can let go of whatever pattern that I've recognized. It's unskillful. It's no longer serving me. And so in a way, I'm learning how to manage my emotions. I'm breathing in peace. I'm breathing out anxiety. Ah, give it to God. In the Sufi tradition, they say, we are all here to give God the one thing that God doesn't have. And the one thing God does not have is your problem. So if you're willing to surrender whatever it is you perceive to be your problem to this divine love, with the inhalation, we receive that grace that nurturing, that awareness that's required, that's necessary. And with the exhalation, we continue to let go and let God. Then you hear Meister Eckhart who says, just let God be God in you. One breath at a time. We can change the world one heart at a time. It's a Karen Drucker song. So you can change the world one breath at a time. And then you can take the world into your heart and transform the world 
by seeing it rightly, seeing the wholeness, seeing the inherent presence within all creation. It's not a problem that needs to be fixed. It's a sacred space needing to be recognized and honored and celebrated. Not as something separate from us, but as our own self in diversity, the one life showing herself to us. And so we begin to see with different eyes, not with the eyes of the me, but more like the eyes of the we, and then ultimately through the eyes of the all. It is all part of ourself, the one life. There is a call and response in the Psalms. My prayer partner was telling me this morning, and he recently did, he said, one of the most powerful memorial services for a lady who was so afraid of death, but at the moment of death, she said, I'm ready to go, and with a big smile and the faith in this something greater, she left her suffering body and is free in spirit. And so in this memorial for her, he would re read this psalm from the Bible, and the congregation would respond through this beautiful phrase. And I'm going to give you this phrase as we close. As he would read the psalms, the congregation would say, I am sure that I shall see the goodness of the one in the land of the living. I am sure that I shall see the goodness of the one, one life in the land of the living. Because we were never born, we were never die. We are the one life revealing itself in the land of the living. So even those who have transitioned are being seen and known through this incredible life that we all share. <clears throat> you talk about walking in wonder, walking in the mystery when you know that it is all sacred that it is all here for us well then as Julian of Norwich could say then we know that all is well right now and all shall be well because this divine intelligence is in charge and it knows what it's doing ah, so we breathe in that trust trust is essential and from that trust we cultivate a deep acceptance of what is. And in that vibration of the deepest acceptance, we then allow life to unfold one breath at a time with ease, grace, and thanksgiving. This is how we change the world one heart at a time. By being the change that we want to see in the world. Take a deep, integrating breath. Know that you are being done by the one and you are loved and expressed unconditionally, freely as your own unique self. Open your arms. Take in all this incredible abundance that is you. Now bring all that energy right over your heart. Place it right there and say to yourself, I honor you. The self within the self, I respect you. I love you. You are the emerging soul of the universe. Flowering in time and space, Flowering in immortal diamond, discovering eternity, the smile, uh, and a yes.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.cslhuntsville.org. Can't you create a brand?